0: Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player where what you play is just as important as how you play it and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. <laughs>
0: We'll start this episode with a little bit of housekeeping like we do most times. Um, I first just want to acknowledge that this episode is coming out later than we'd <laughs> hoped yeah. due to a myriad of personal life challenges in December yes. um, that were experienced. Uh, so thank you all for your patience as we work through everything. Um, reminder that this is not our Game of the Year episode. Uh, this episode will be discussing Jassant and Chance of Sonar, and we'll be recording our Game of the Year episode next weekend to be released on January 9th. We're very excited to get into that. And hopefully, January and beyond will be more stable (laughs) months for us personally, Mm -hmm. and there'll be less disruption, but you know, we are just, uh, just two people making this podcast kind of on the side of the rest <laughs> of everything else in our life. So we appreciate everyone's understanding when we need to move things around and reschedule and bump an episode 17 times, yeah, even though fine. we really want to talk about these games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank thanks you. And <laughs> sorry that this is coming out sideways. Um, <laughs> Patreon shout outs. Uh, this is everyone who subscribed to our Patreon name in the credits tier, um, at the moment. So that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Pimhati, CD mess, Ava, Sammy, and Alexis. Um, thank you all for, for your support and for sticking with us, despite all of the bumping and rescheduling and, uh, me putting up seven Patreon messages in a day to say we're definitely <laughs> streaming. We're definitely not streaming. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you all. Um, uh, it makes it all uh we we just love making content for you all so thank you for your support uh remember if you want to get your name in the credits you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod where you can subscribe for free to get updates about our streams and public episodes or for as little as $2 a month, you can get access to those monthly bonus episodes that we do. Um, that's an exclusive uh, Pixel Therapy Patreon bonus. Uh, for the month of December, we talked about this year's Game Awards on the episode, as well as the cozy turn-based RPG of Stars. Um, and it's worth noting that new subscribers to the Patreon do get access to the entire backlog of bonus episodes, which stretch all the way back to November of 2020. That's over three years' worth of content. Damn at your fingertips for only $2. So if you're looking for a little more pixel therapy in your life, definitely come check out that Patreon page. Again, that's patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod. And if you're looking for other ways to support the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple podcasts because every review there does matter for a small podcast like us. And you can also catch us streaming our Let's Play series, Pixel Therapy Plays, over on youtube.com slash at pixel therapy pod where we are live most Tuesdays and Thursdays (laughs) at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, playing games like Alan Wake 2, Jassant, Thirsty Suitors, and more. So be sure to come on over to the Pixel Therapy Pod YouTube channel, like, subscribe, and click that little bell icon to get notified every time we go live here on Mm -hmm. YouTube. And of course, after all that, know that no matter how you choose to support the show, we appreciate you being here all the same. Yeah, we do. All right, folks, it's time to get cozy. It's time to pull up an armchair and feel free to lie down on the couch. We're going to talk about our feelings. Spencer,
1: despite everything, (laughs) how are you today? Well, my couch was almost underwater there for uh, a minute God. Um, what a yeah, TLDR a pipe burst upstairs uh, so thanks all for bearing with us as my partner and I came home to water pouring down from uh, the ceiling uh,
0: um, a true homeowner's yeah. nightmare
1: I don't uh, know 100%. if I dread
0: that happening but like it's like the top through like that a tree falls on the uh, house
1: mm, mm-hmm
0: or just roof repairs, foundation. <laughs> yeah, foundation. Yeah, foundation's pretty bad. I guess from below and above, terror. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terror from above and below. Yeah, but you know, just just one of the the trade offs for being a homeowner.
1: Yeah, especially when your house is built in 1880. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if anything, if anything, uh, one of the contractors who came to take a look at all the flood damage was mm-hmm. like. Honestly, if your house was one of, was like a new build and it's all like particle board and shit like he's like things would be a lot more fucked but you've got this old Hundred year old wood and that shit will withstand anything. That's and so good. I was like, okay, that makes me feel a little better.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the benefits to having an oldest fuck house. I feel like there's not a lot of benefits to, to having right. an oldest fuck house. So it's one of the few. i <laughs> glad that it's paying it forward in that one small way. <laughs> yeah,
1: 100%. So,
0: yeah.
1: Anyway, everything is fine. No one was hurt and um, we still are able to you know, have a place to lay our heads at night and play our and play my video games. The most important,
0: most important thing. The video games were not Uh. harmed. No video games were harmed (laughs) in the bursting of this pipe.
1: No (laughs) consoles were damaged. (laughs) Um, Everything is fine. So and thank God, because there's nothing like turning your brain off and sinking into um, a game to get out of the the horror of of that um yeah, i did want to mention yeah i know that was a little was sloppy but <laughs> no no it was perfect um, it was perfect very smooth i did spend some time finishing sea of stars this past week um, do. It's um, which so good. oh my god <laughs> Sixty hours. That that's how long it took yeah, for me. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Me too. Pretty really. Much me okay. Because you went through and got the true ending,
1: right? Yeah. So there's a nor- There's a neutral, quote unquote, <laughs> neutral ending and a true ending. Um, I had the dawning horror that. Uh. So it's like you know you get to the neutral ending um and then there's some side quests that you can fulfill to unlock the quote unquote true ending Mm -hmm. and throughout the game you're doing this thing where you're collecting what's called rainbow conches and it's just these little rainbow shells and there are 60 littered throughout the world and they're kind of um hidden like they'll be partially obscured or you have to go through some puzzling to to find them all yeah and i remember passing by them and Finding some when I could, but not spending too much effort trying to find them all, thinking like, oh, there's no way this little extra side quest that unlocks items here and there from a special merchant would be a requirement for fulfilling the true ending. Yeah. I was so wrong when I got to the end and realized I had only found 32 of the 60. Oh,
0: no. Did you use a guide? girl you know i
1: used a guide <laughs> okay. i
0: was like i don't know
1: where the <laughs> fuck i'm gonna have to start from the
0: beginning well i know i did but i have like no problem uh, pulling that up when it comes to my trophy hunting ways i you know you're not someone who typically platinums or like trophy right. huns, uh with games so yeah how was how was that for you doing i mean that's yeah. basically that's pretty close to 100 percenting it if you do all the stuff for the yeah yeah
1: I basically there's like a couple treasure chests I haven't opened but mm-hmm. for the most part this is the closest I've gotten to hundred percenting a game um I will say so I tried... not anything
0: in you or oh you God were just no <laughs> So this wasn't your gateway drug to becoming a trophy hunter?
1: (laughs) Oh, God, no. I think, if anything, it made me realize, like, I do genuinely enjoy this game because a less patient version of me would have just looked up the true ending on Mm. YouTube and called it a Mm. day. Um, But I was so in love with this game that i was fine with kind of retreading ground and i I think that says something about the game considering the fact that it has one of the more tedious fast travel systems like once Mm -hmm. you're in a map you kind of have to navigate yourself to an escape point um there's no like fast travel from within a section so it's like okay i've got to figure out how to get out of this place and remember which area of the map it connects to um So, like, I give the game credit for keeping me engaged, um being said, after I spent three hours in the town of Brisk running around trying to find this certain conch that all of the guides were showing, there is like this point in the game where the town gets destroyed, and so I was yeah. looking for this building that literally did not exist anymore. Exist
0: anymore? Yeah, you got to find, got to find a good guide maker who notes like <laughs> where's that in and the, the way the
1: to access it post <laughs> destruction is like oh by the way this area that looks impassable if you. If you yep. move your character along the edge, you'll eventually yeah. find a secret door. I'm like, okay, I need a guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thankfully there's only like a couple that they put in a spot where you have to basically be like, I don't know, almost playing like a like a speedrunner or something where you're just mm. like running against the wall looking for mm-hmm. the tiny little pixel gap that you your character can squeeze through. Yeah. Mostly it's they're just they're just placed in a way that they're hard to see if you're not being super observant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think that's part of the charm of the game. It kind of yeah. had those vibes of like retro RPGs where things would be hidden in plain sight or just throwing yourself against the wall trying to find the cracks was like part of the joy of finding all of the game's secrets. So like part mm-hmm. of me felt very nostalgic playing this game. And I yeah kind of didn't want that to end. But um, I mean, for you as a trophy hunter. I'm sure by the time you did the neutral ending, you probably had all seven of those pillars already lit up. But (laughs) what was it like for Uh, you getting that true ending?
0: I didn't (laughs) want to open a guide until I'd gotten at least the initial ending of the game. And so I didn't use... Yes. uh, I didn't use any guidance like before that point. Um, But then when I got to that point and saw, okay, I've got this, I've got to finish these other quests. then, Then I used the guide to get the shells and stuff. And then, yeah, I think, there's just a few more trophies that you have to get. Beyond that, there's like one for opening every chest in the game, like finding mm. all the treasure, not just the the rainbow shells. And that one was that one got a little bit annoying. There's just so many. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, if you find or finding the rainbow shells, there is a tool that they give you. I'll just say it that way that mm. that helps identify that you can you can use to help learn what areas still have items Mm -hmm. left to find. Um, so that makes it a little easier. And then at that stage in the game, while you don't get a true fast travel system, you do get a way to travel. That's much quicker. And you can just kind of go right to the, at least the, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you would call that. Cause there's like, there's like, the The world is broken up into islands, and each Mm -hmm. island has a map. But when you're moving on the large island map, it's like when you're traveling between worlds in Mario (laughs) kind of style, where you're just like a, you know, you're just moving along these little fixed points, and you can still kind of jump between those points. But then once you go into the actual level, that's where you lose the ability to fast travel. So. Yeah. I don't know. They do, they give you things at that stage of the game that make it quicker, but you are mm-hmm. still having to go into each section. And so trying to find all the treasure chests was a little bit annoying. But really, I was never, I, I yeah, I was just so enamored with the game overall and yeah. how enjoyable and like, comforting it was to play especially this mm-hmm. time of year like i put in probably yeah so right literally on my birthday uh but on the day of our our lake stream i rolled the absolute shit out of my ankle falling oh, out of right. the stairs yeah. um and so i was pretty much just laid up friday and saturday i had the days off of work and we were waiting um for uh, some family to come in for the holiday and i basically just laid with my leg up in the air and played sea of stars and so uh-huh. even even though there uh-huh. were like a few points where i was like this is a little bit tedious it really never bothered me and some platinums uh-huh. sometimes when i platinum a game by the time i actually pop that platinum trophy i'm like great i am ready to uninstall this and when i did pop the platinum trophy on uh sea of stars i was still a little bit like I kind of wish there was Aww. there was more here and there was more story. Yeah. <laughs> um but I absolutely love the true ending that you can achieve. There's so mm. yeah, it's just a really heartwarming game.
1: Yeah.
0: It's got one very of those cozy.
1: Yeah, it's cozy. It's a little bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's a little there's a little bit of, of sadness there. hmm Ah, it just feels so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like some great. Great themes throughout. You know, we talked talked a good bit about um the themes in our in our bonus episode. I don't want to steal anything away from the content there, mm-hmm. but I think as the game continued, there's there's also stuff that it's saying about um grief and trauma and how we mm-hmm. process that and then how that can how that affects uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot that they do with the the moraine character who's like the professor of the academy that our mm-hmm. two heroes like were trained in. Um and how the trauma that he has experienced um, impacted the way he was existing as a teacher and thus impacted some of his other students um, Mm -hmm. that weren't our two main characters. And, and yeah, I don't know how that stuff kind of carries, carries down and and how, how you relate to and process your grief can dramatically change the way you approach situations, the way you perceive your purpose in the, in the world. So a lot of beautiful stuff in there. Yeah. Great. game. There was one.
1: Uh I I had s I had read that in the the developer's Discord, um, although I, I like like anything else, I do think it would have meant more if it was actually explicitly stated in the game. Mm-hmm. But apparently in the Discord, it's canon in the game that um so like you're kinda you're party is kind of caught between this millennia-long battle between two basically god-like um alchemists named mm-hmm. Rashan and Aferol. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, their and, name.
0: Yeah. They um, they never there's no dialogue in the game, so we're giving it our yeah, best guess. All, we're, yeah. yeah, we're reading. We're reading. <laughs> Um, or no spoken dialogue, no voice acting.
1: They're both sort of, I don't know, genderless, but mm-hmm. kind of like masculine coded. And mm-hmm. apparently it's and The developers have said on their Discord that the two of them are lovers and they were Yeah, I thought forbidden. they might be
0: implying that. Yeah. Oh, um,
1: sorry. Like part of the reason they sought to become immortal and become gods is because they couldn't be together at the time they were alive and were trying to become immortal so they could wait for a time where it would be more accepted. But then mm-hmm. things kind of went wrong. Wrong, and hence, this whole battle between them begins. But I was like, cool. Yeah. Would have been great to see that explicitly stated in the yeah, game. But
0: then I definitely <laughs> could have made that explicit. <laughs> I definitely could tell they were implying there was something more to their relationship. But mm-hmm. the, at one point, I thought maybe they were brother, like, yeah, that they yeah. were siblings. Yeah. Um, and then kind of got the sense that maybe they weren't due to like some other, like, yeah, very veiled. Yeah. Like, there's one point where, um, the one character refer is like talking to Rashawn and refers to uh, Afarel. He said, mm-hmm, "This is his name." refers to Afarel as Rashawn's friend, and Rashawn right. kind of like, I don't even remember exactly what their response is but it's kind of like, "Yeah, friend." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Um, yeah, and so it's like, okay, yeah, there is something else going on here, yeah, uh, for sure, yeah. but. Yeah, it's very, very vague. Uh but I guess I could have made that worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Just give it give that to me. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, great game. Great game. hmm <sighs> Anyway. That's not why we're here today, though. It's not. Thank you for that segue. <laughs> uh,
0: we're here to talk about Jassant and Chance of Sonar, And, uh, well, let me intro the games a little bit, and then I'll say a few words about why we're pairing these two up. Um but Jasant, uh, for folks who uh, didn't check out our streams, we did two streams on Jasant if you want to go back and watch any of the gameplay there. Um, but it's a meditative puzzle climbing game made by Don't Dontnod, uh, which is the studio behind the original Life is Strange games. And in the game, you play as a young person who's on a journey to climb an abandoned tower. That's filled with artifacts of a civilization long past. Um, a lot of exploratory exploration um, and exploratory storytelling. Um, no dialogue. Very quiet, meditative mm. game. Uh, the game came out on PC, Xbox, including Game Pass and PlayStation in October of 2023, and has had a re- mostly really positive reception from critics. It's currently sitting at an 84 on Open Critic and showing up uh, has shown up on several Indie Game of the Year. Lists. Um, the other game we we're talking about today is Chance of Sinar, which similarly also follows a lone wanderer making their way up a desert tower. However, <gasps> in this game, in Chance of Sinar, civilization is still very much present, uh, as the tower is inhabited by several communities who have become isolated from each other and no longer speak the same language. Uh, very much pulling from the story of the Tower of Babel, um, the game mm. has said that in its descriptions that it's very much, it very much used that as kind of a An influence for the set dressing of the game. Um, The puzzles in Chance of Sonar revolve around deciphering each language that you encounter as the player character. um, And languages are represented through logographic writing systems as characters speak to you in text based dialogue. And by interpreting clues presented through nonverbal communication, illustrated signs, and other contextual set dressing you are uh, translating the languages as you go through the game and using that to solve the puzzles that the game sets up as you ascend the tower. Uh, Chance of Cinar was developed by the studio RunDisc and it was released on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, PC, and Xbox in September of this year. And it's currently sitting at an 82 on Open Open Critic and was actually a Games for Impact Award nominee at this year's Game Awards. So... Those are the two games we're going to be talking about. Um, I think one of the main reason we paired these two up is they are both pretty small, like kind of like you could beat them in a day if you mm-hmm. wanted to indie games. I think mm-hmm. Jassant is like four to six hours and chance of Sonar It took me maybe 10 ish. Yeah, um, like so 12 for me. Longer. Yeah. 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 Um, And both of them center uh, very interestingly around towers Mm -hmm. in in the desert um, that you as a a lone individual are climbing without like a really strong sense of why you're climbing the tower Mm. that you kind of piece together as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. So there seem to be some like just thematic and and, um, like setting connective tissue here between these two games uh which is the main reason we decided to pair them up and and talk about them together Mm -hmm. Um, but just to start spencer can you tell me uh how much you've played of each game what you've been playing them on and uh like kind of your high level take let's start with just yeah Uh, so i
1: finished i've i finished both games both Jassant and chance of sonar um okay uh, like like we've talked about, um I think Jusant took me about six hours, and uh, chance of Sonar took about twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, I played both on Steam. Uh, mm-hmm. Jusant actually played like keyboard style, which is like rare for me. Just wanted to since we were streaming it a couple times, yeah. I figured yeah. eh, might as well. Um, and Chance of Sonar. Steam Deck, my BFF this year, the MVP of 2023. Yeah, um, you've,
0: really, you've played almost everything on Steam Deck this year. I love year. that
1: thing. I fucking love that. Did you that play
0: thing. Sea of Stars on Steam Deck too? You know I did. I mean, you're such a handheld gamer. It's so, I am like, I'm
1: tangenting us. I love like to take right it. Now, but where yeah. I love to be cozy with my games. But also, I yeah. think with, with Sea of Stars, it, it brought me back to the days of the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy Color. And I, yeah. I wanted to feel that kind of closeness. Yeah, I'm gonna pause right here. Could you hear what's happening behind me? Yeah, it's not bad though. Okay, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, on terms of my high level take, um, I think besides the th- the thematic parallels that you've already described, I feel like both of these games did such an excellent job of building deeply resonant narrative without any words um yeah in the environment in the mechanics and in just the way that such lovable characters were brought to life with nothing more than like body language and music and and the mechanics again i'm just struck like both of these games made me cry and it's like they don't even have. They barely have faces, and I'm like <laughs> connecting so deeply with 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 mm-hmm. these stories. And so, just I mean, they just both really like. I don't know. Reminds why we love games and uh, why it's so important to to fund smaller stories and, and indie creators. And not everything has to be like a triple A, like true to life, like super graphically in- intense, uh, cinematic production. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, even as people who love those type of games, like, yeah, yeah, I, I think just just watching the massive layoffs in the industry this year, mm. and um, I don't know how closely you've been following some of the information that's come out of the the huge hacker leak that's happened at in Insomniac, which right. like, is absolutely terrible. That uh, Insomniac basically had a bunch of uh, the developer of the Spider-Man games, among others, uh, had a bunch of data like held hostage by mm-hmm. some ransomware hackers. And, of course, they didn't pay the ransom and the data was released. Um, Absolutely awful that a bunch of personal data was included in Mm. that um, for the developers. Um, But there was also a ton of emails and marketing strategy plans and information about their budgets and conversations with Sony and just Mm -hmm. so much information that came out in this this leak. But something that's kind of come out of it is um, just more understanding of how, first of all, how much money it's costing to make these huge uh, you know you could almost say these are quadruple A right. uh, video right. games right you know hundreds of millions of dollars going mm. into these year long development processes to pay all of these people to do this work and then mm. it's the um the platform holders the producers of the, the publishers of the games not wanting to pay that much and mm-hmm. whether that's it's it's hard to say right now if that is coming from a place of like well the CEOs need more money and we're not making enough off of these games to justify these rising costs but like it is a it is a huge financial cost to turn out games that look like Spider-Man 2 that look like oh, yeah. The Last of Us Part 2 that that look like these these games do and while i think they're absolutely beautiful you can also do something So inventive with so much less. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And I think it just begs the question of whether or not those resources need to be allocated that way. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think it's a fair question. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, sorry, I derailed this again.
1: (laughs) No, it's okay. Like you said, I think these two games especially are just really welcome reminders of how much you can do with a lot less um, Mm -hmm. and how important those smaller titles are too, to the rich tapestry we have, all the games we have available to play. So thanks, developers.
0: (laughs) Yes, thank you, developers. for my part, uh, I'll toss in here that I did not play Jassant at all. Mm-hmm. Like, did not get hands on a controller with that. I I think I want to. I'm interested to hear more of what you have to say about it, because I didn't get to see the ending of the game. I obviously was there for the two streams that we did on it, so I saw a good yeah. portion of the game, um, but didn't get to see the ending. And I think from everything I've read and heard you say about the game, it feels like the kind of game that you do have to physically experience to really get. I think, totally. S- you know, we'll get into this more later but it seems mm-hmm. like a big part of the connection with that game is the physical control of it and how you're interacting with like the actual controller or keyboard yes. you know whatever it is uh and the game um so i'm not quite sure i mean i th- I have thoughts and stuff to share about the game but i think yeah, my yeah. connection to it is way less than my connection with chance of Sonar because it's it's the kind of game that i think just watching it is not quite Computing in mm. the same way um, but that's that's where I'm at with that one, and then chance of Sonar I fully played in B on on PlayStation. I platinumed it um and and absolutely loved it and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's definitely like one of my favorite games that I played this year. so let's get into it a bit. Jas um, story and themes, how would you characterize the story of Jasant?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would say kind of. If anyone's played Season, okay. um, it's sort of this post or impend. I guess okay. Season is like impending apocalypse, but yes, Dusant is like shortly after an apocalyptic event. Um, you are in this desert society um, and slowly learn that it used to be covered in ocean, and this tower was rising out of the ocean that provided food, provided water provided salt to cook and sell. And there was a very vibrant community built on this side of the planet. Um, but climate change and uh, it's not super clear how much human impact has been involved, but um, what's basically happened is that the planet has stopped turning. And so on one side of the planet, it's never-ending sun. And on the other side, it's storm, stormy and, dar- and darkness. And, and as a result, all the water has dried up all the food. There's been a deep drought and, and lack of food. And, and most everyone has either passed or abandoned um this area. And so you're trying to climb this tower, you're accompanied by a little um friend. It looks kind okay. of like a like a whale uh Eh, cloud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like he's just like a little goop. A <laughs> little goopy
1: guy. And um, yeah, I think, I think there's, in terms of themes, I think there's stuff in there around collectivism and society and, and different ways of imagining community and, and what community can look like in the face of disaster. Like there were clearly in the, in the letters and remnants left behind, um, you see pieces of what the culture of 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 this society was like and and how people um tried to stay connected to each other or were waiting for each other or or trying to remember people who had passed and loved ones who maybe be hard to reach because some have left and while well, some have chosen to stay behind um and so you get little pieces kind of like in the last of us when you travel through the world and find mm, mm-hmm. notes from survivors um or little clues, uh, to who passed through different, certain areas. There's kind of a bit of that as you're making your climb. Um, so themes around community themes around, um, you know, inhabiting a dying planet and what kind of, what do we owe to it? What, how do we continue surviving, uh, when there are changes happening beyond our control? Um, why, like, What are people's ties to land and what might make some choose to stay while others want to leave? Um, uh, so I think all of those things are tied up in it, um, as well as just genuinely coming back to kind of human connections to nature and how we need the earth just as much as the earth needs us to be in balance and uh, not necessarily feel as though we have a right to take ownership over it. Um, mm. if I were to try to condense it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, I think with, uh, with Chance of Sinar, the store, like, I, are you ever given a motivation for your character in that game, at least at the outset?
1: At the outset, no. Not until the very end, really, are you right. given your purpose. and
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was just trying to remember, like, in the very beginning, you kind of just wake up, you're on this island with this tower, and you just start ascending the tower. Like, the only objective that you know is that you need to ascend the tower. But to do that... You have to understand the languages being spoken to be able to navigate conversations and um, environmental puzzles properly so that you can continue to move through the space. And just, you know, similar to the Tower of Babel, essentially the tower has been broken up into several different communities. The communities have each been isolated from each other for so long that they have lost the ability to communicate with each other. They each have their own language Mm. um, and their own culture. And uh, there's a bit of even like disdain for the Mm. other communities. Uh, And and there's like a hierarchical nature to it as well. So there's um, the community that's above another community has some disdain for the community Mm. below them, but a reverence for the community above them Mm -hmm. Um, and viewing the community above them as like more... Uh, like ascendant beings, or like totally, like they're closer to gods, and the mm-hmm. people below us are, you know, peasants, so like, right, you know, not, not like one
1: we should associate with. The tainted, or like they had a word the tainted, for it, like, yeah, yeah, something like they, that.
0: Each of the communities, yeah, have different words and phrases too that they use to describe the groups above mm-hmm. and below them and, and how they view them. Um, even though for the most part, you know, as you work your way up the tower, tower there's also different levels of understanding about who created the tower, why anyone's mm. here, what the different groups purposes? is. Each, each culture has their own, um, religion, so to speak, even though it's not right. all about God, like the, the very, the first level, um, Community that you interact with, they're very religious, um, and they're they're called devotees, and and they are there mm-hmm. to pray to the God that they believe lives at the top of the tower, um, and that and to serve God, and they have churches and. Um, abbeys and you know stuff like that. They're they're very religious, and then you move into a more militarized community, and they believe that it's their job to keep the like unwashed masses of the devotees out mm-hmm. and separate from the musicians, the the bards, and the artists that live above them. And they believe that art and culture is very revered. Mm-hmm. And as military people, they're not able to do that, but their job is to protect. The higher levels of Mm -hmm. the tower, and you know, as you move up, but then the the artists completely think that the military folks are just like grunts, like brutes, yeah, brutes who should not be listened to, or or like and and just exist to be made fun of, even though the the guards like so like revere the artists so much. So it's Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Um, as you move through the tower, how the different cultures uh, perceive each other, and just this complete breakdown in. Perceiving the other groups as you know full complete humans mm-hmm. uh, who who have lives um, that are worth any anything yeah um, but yeah so it's like a pretty I I think what you would expect if you have any familiarity with the Tower of Babel uh, as like a parable this idea that man tried to build a tower to ascend to God and in the process lost the ability to communicate with each other or it, it, to the point of complete dysfunction so that the tower can never reach the heavens Mm. um which is it's biblical right i think the tower of babel is like a story in the bible but i think it very much like stands as a parable of like uh by trying to ascend above other humans or this idea that we can reach godliness um Mm -hmm. by constantly looking up we lose the ability you know we end up you know fractioning ourselves and losing the ability to
1: communicate with each
0: other totally, Um, and the game really leans into that uh in terms of all of the the themes and uh uh, message of the game Mm -hmm. and it's another game similar to sea of stars that has an excellent like true ending that you can achieve yes so you work through the game and really just work towards that goal of ascending the tower yourself and getting to god at the end of the tower um and you'll get one ending of the game. But if you kind of go back and do more, you can get a, what I think is like a much better and, and the and the quote unquote true ending of the game. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add <sighs> on Chance of Sinar in terms no, of the yeah. story? Or did I encapsulate
1: it? Um, no, I mean, you encapsulated it beautifully. And I think if I were to add anything else, it's just sort of, I guess, just building upon the point you already made about how having literal walls between people or Speculating about others in your own communities and not ever seeing people as they are, or letting fear rule your perception of others, um, I think is really something to be meditated on with this game. Um, and I, I, like the more we talk about it, I think it's like an important game to play during a time uh, like now where people are so um, influenced by mm-hmm. narratives. Um, coming from oppressive or colonialist parties and letting those narratives drive judgments of others and (sighs) allowing things like genocide to take place. I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. just like... It's just a profound game for this time that we're in. Even though it's based on a story that's thousands of years old, it's still relevant to how Mm -hmm. humans see each other today. Um, Yeah. So... I know the developers could have no way of knowing um, that this game would be completed right now. But um, just it really, I don't know, it's just important, important themes to to think about and play through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to come back with both games to talk more about kind of parallels to um, modern society, like current society and how i think both games are reflecting on that but Mm. uh, i think with both of these games the the gameplay and the puzzle like the way puzzles show up in the game uh i don't know i've Mm. I've played a lot of puzzle games or at least a decent number they're not always my favorite type of games and just as a comparison point uh last weekend i just played cocoon Mm, and mm -hmm. cocoon is an excellent puzzle game but I also, and maybe I totally missed it. Maybe it was lost on me. I don't want to shit on <laughs> Cocoon. Um, but I didn't find there was any, like, higher meaning to Cocoon. Mm, like, Cocoon mm-hmm. is very much about the cool art, the cool vibes, and solving cool puzzles. And I feel like that is what a lot of puzzle games do, and that can be perfectly fine if that's what you come to puzzle games for. But I really love how both Jassant and Chance of Sonar are using the puzzles and the puzzle mechanic as a way to tell like to carry something way more profound forward in terms of not necessarily narrative um because mm-hmm. i don't think either of these games have a super strong linear story that they're telling but in terms of conveying um conveying themes and reflections on on society and and human culture and what it means to be human yeah in today's world, and exploring that through a puzzle mechanic Mm. is really fucking cool. So the the gameplay is, like, always important with games, but, like, super, super important in both of these games. Um, Do you want to talk a bit about what the actual minute-to-minute gameplay is like in Jusant and what resonated with you in that?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, as we sort of alluded to earlier, I mean, part of the genius of Jusant is just how much the act of controlling your character and interacting with the game defines... It's just part of the immersive quality of the game. Like, some would say that climbing might be some of the most annoying or difficult mechanics in most games. And Dusant made a game that was totally about climbing. You are doing it constantly and not only that but also I lied earlier I said I played it with a keyboard and mouse I didn't I played it on my PC with a PS5 controller okay okay um, but it's like moving your moving your hands and legs gripping letting go reaching all of these are like independently controlled with your your uh triggers right and left triggers and your joystick and so it's like it, you're truly immersed in the act of literally holding onto a rock, letting go with your other hand, reaching to the next rock. And it, there's no like autopilot. Like you are mm-hmm. constantly grounded in these physical actions via the controller. Um, that is the closest I've ever felt to really climbing um, down to the deep thought and intention that has to be put at each step of, placing your body managing your stamina um and continuing forward up a wall like if anyone has ever um climbed uh whether with whether with rope or doing bouldering uh which is like shorter walls that you're climbing with the intent of letting yourself fall when you've reached the top of normally they're not higher than like 10 foot walls um it really felt just like how it feel like i've i've done a little bit of bouldering myself and Um, you really are thinking like it's strategic about it's not just getting to the top of the wall. Like You really have to plan your route ahead of time because you know that once you're up there and gravity starts doing its work, you're going to be fighting your body the whole way up and you need to manage your energy Um, and also just be confident about if your placements, if you're going to lose your grip, if you're not going to be able to reach, like you really got to think about it. And I mean, this game did an unbelievable job of replicating that experience with a controller. Um, and so, you know, you've got a rope, you're connecting to points along these walls, you're progressing up higher and higher through this tower. Maybe so one area is the ruins of, of a community of a town. Maybe another area is inside, uh, like caves. Maybe another area is, um, these windy rainy cliffs and that you're clinging to um, maybe another area is, is frozen and covered in in snow and ice. And so the elements as well as the terrain um, just create these really interesting climbing puzzles. Um, And, you know, the game is only a few hours long. So I think, you know, if this was, if this was 10 plus hours, maybe something like this would get a little tedious, but I think not only were the climbing puzzles beautifully designed and in terms of how that you can interact with various elements of the environment. Um, But it was the perfect amount of time to start to feel like you were able to master it without it becoming like too long. Like it was just wonderfully paced as well. Um, Yeah, did I miss anything from your observations of Giselle? No, I
0: don't don't think so. I did notice uh, when we were streaming it, that there was some, and it, maybe I misinterpreted this, but I, it seemed like there were times where it was a little bit frustrating, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, Do you think that works for or against the game? Um,
1: I, think, I think it's realistic. Like, okay. And I think that that's a compliment. Like, I think, uh, I mean, bouldering is one of the hardest things I've ever done, and there are certainly times where I would get very frustrated with just, like, like the wall never really gets easier. Like you just get stronger or you, or you mm. figure out how to strategize your way up there. Um, and in a lot of, um, climbing gyms, like they'll change the configurations every, um, every few days. And there's actually a word for it. Oh, it's escaping me of course, as I'm talking about it now, but they have a word like, like bouldering, um, courses like they're called like puzzles or something like they like climbers have a word for it like puzzles or something like that um and so when i was playing the game like yes i was getting frustrated yes we were on stream so people can see me getting frustrated if they want to go to our youtube channel and watch our just um let's plays and it if anything it i felt like the people who built this game had real respect for the act of climbing and and were really bringing to life that it it, it is one of the most physically challenging things the human body can do and mm-hmm. it also made it that much more rewarding when I was able to figure it out I think it's interesting to think about because I typically don't like game like Dark Soul, Souls games for example I don't like them uh roguelikes for the most part I don't like them because I find it very stressful to be in these like high stress combat environments where things are coming at you and it's like your heart is racing and it's it's very um what's the word like uh takes the confidence out of you demoralizing to keep losing mm-hmm. over and over again and
0: if you fail um, you're you're losing a, a significant amount of progress
1: yeah that too don't love that um and I find with this game that like it may because the main person I was competing against was myself mm. and it wasn't as if uh, the game was throwing things at me or, um, like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like a high stress environment in the same way, but it just felt almost meditative to get comfortable with that kind of failure, um, I'm not going to say there were ever like, I'm not going to say there weren't moments where I was frustrated, like, 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 okay. There were a couple of moments where it felt like, Oh, I should have been able to grab that. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to maybe almost like a bug kind of thing. that's frustrating a hundred percent. And I think that for what it was trying to do, it's, it just, it just really succeeded in that immersion. And if anything uh, it adds to the experience of the game, again, because it's only four to six hours. Like if you mm-hmm. can push through, I think if anything, it's just very rewarding to mm-hmm. to have it be difficult. Because um, it's just about it's as much about the journey as it is about reaching the top. So yeah. yeah, I've made my peace with it. But yes, there were moments that were very frustrating. And I think um, it is a game that requires... A bit of perseverance, and I mm-hmm. think even for me as someone who feels like I'm a pretty experienced gamer, having these mechanics be so grounded in the physicality of the body and gripping and releasing, um, it really humbled me in terms of my comfort with a controller because I really felt like I had to relearn how to control this this game character. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It, I don't know it was a cool, it was, it was really cool way to kind of subvert my expectations of what I was getting from a game. Like, I think it's always mm-hmm. really awesome and inspiring when developers think of new ways to kind of mix up the mechanics we're all used to and make something really fresh um, and just opening the mind a bit more about what a game can do or how it can be played. Like, I do really feel like there should have been more recognition for this game this year. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I don't think it got nominated for any awards, but like I said at the beginning, I have seen it pop up on several different Game of the Year lists, uh, Mm -hmm. mostly uh, game lists that are highlighting indie games specifically, Mm. but uh, it's been nice to see it showing so prominently there on Mm -hmm. several different of the publications and stuff that I follow. Um, On the other side of the coin, though, I feel like Chance of Sonar... Uh, got nominated to Game Awards, but I haven't seen it showing up in as many indie game events, yeah. which yeah. is interesting that, I don't know, just that, that dichotomy there, but um, to talk for a second about genes of sonar and and the the gameplay of that game. Um, you know, I said, like the main thing that you're even though your objective is to move through the tower, you're not going to do that without translating language and understanding some of what people say to you. Um, and the game does this through uh, puzzles as as we said earlier, the all the language in the game, there's no uh, no spoken dialogue in the game. um, all of that you in when you interact. Or no voice acting, right? So when you interact right. with other characters in the game world, they will speak, a little speech bubble will come up above their head, and there'll be these, um, you know, uh, written glyphs. words. Glyphs. That Thank you <laughs> for giving me the words that I was looking <laughs> for. There'll be glyphs that appear in the speech bubble um, that are, you know, unrecognizable to me as a, an English speaker or anybody approaching the game. It, These are just glyphs. You haven't translated them yet. Every time you encounter a new glyph, that glyph appears in your journal, which is basically in a menu that you can open in the game. Um, And as soon as you discover a new glyph, as soon as a a glyph is new to you, you have the ability to go into your journal and assign a definition to the assign a word to that glyph, basically by just opening the keyboard on, you know, me, I was playing on PlayStation, so just opening the little input keyboard on the PlayStation, or I'm assuming if you're playing on PC or something like that, it just opens, you just type it in. But you can type in whatever you think the glyph means as soon as you have some idea of what you think it might mean. And then when you encounter other characters or signage in the world that are using that glyph, instead of seeing the glyph in the speech bubble or on the sign, you'll see in italics the word that you think the glyph means mm-hmm. and the italics indicates that that's not yet confirmed. It's just what you think it is. Um, I found that to be a super cool mechanic. I was con- you know, every time I encounter a new glyph, I was going into my journal and like I'd, I'd put in like several words like sli- you know, yeah. with slashes, like, okay, I think this might mean this or this or this. So here's the slashes. And then that way you can see it in context when people are talking to you and help get a better sense of whether you're on the right track with a word. Um, but uh, once the game has presented a glyph or a set of glyphs to you enough times that it thinks you've given been given enough context you definitively know what that word is, it uh, presents you with a little puzzle in your journal that has drawings that represent the different words, and you have to do a little matching game to match the glyph to the drawing. And then if you match the correct glyphs to the correct drawings within a given set of pages in your journal um, and successfully complete the matchmaking game, It the game will essentially lock in those glyphs and it will officially confirm for you the exact word that those glyphs mm. mean. So maybe I thought the word was river, but it was actually water. And the game will lock it, but I still understood enough to be able to connect that glyph Mm -hmm. to the picture of water in the book. And then the the game confirms for me, yes, that is water. And now moving forward, when I encounter that word being spoken or written somewhere, the text in the game will actually just say, no longer italicized, water, anywhere that it appears intermixed with other glyphs that I haven't translated or italicized words if they are glyphs that I've encountered and I've made a guess at their translation but I haven't fully locked it in. Um, and that process is super it was just really fucking cool. You feel so fucking smart as you just oh you feel things like a together. genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just there's just something really um I don't know for anybody who's uh, and I'm I'm not fluent in any other languages besides English but I took Spanish pretty extensively throughout high school. I've done Duolingo. There is something mm-hmm. really fun and cool about learning another language, recognizing words, and even getting to have, even if it's like a really broken conversation with someone yes. who doesn't speak the same language as you, like through that barrier, it's like, there is something like deeply and innately human and connecting about trying to do something like that or having an experience like that, um, that like is I couldn't. You can't even fully articulate like what's so special about that, and this game just like does it constantly throughout every moment. As you, you know, originally you approached a character and they said some things, and you had no clue there was no other context for what they might be saying. And then you spend time exploring the level and ex- and talking to other people and looking at other signs, and you slowly begin to piece together what the different words mean. And by the time you come back to that first character suddenly everything they're saying is filled in and you fully understand them. And those moments are so Mm. great and revelatory and feel just like so connecting. And Mm. the world of Chance of Sinar, unlike the world of Jassant, is totally populated and alive. There's Mm. characters everywhere doing things, living their lives, and they're not all necessarily like, They're all saying things, they're all doing things that are going to help you decipher the language, but they feel like their own distinct, they don't just feel like a mechanism to solve the puzzle, like they feel like people living their lives and doing their own thing. Mm. I think that just adds to the richness and the, uh, like how great it feels to actually solve the puzzles. Yeah. Um, the game also has uh, like little side quest opportunities built in characters who need certain things or who are looking for certain things. the The process of getting the platinum trophy was really cool because there were certain things you could find or interactions you could see or make happen that popped the trophies. And so you got to like see it, I don't know, it was just like finding all these little hidden things throughout yeah. the world of you know, a specific animal doing a specific thing or a person doing a specific thing, or there's a priest who's missing in the first chapter, and you can find out what happened to him and <laughs> it's mm-hmm. tragic. But you can you can find that if you explore properly and like solve the right puzzles to to get there. Um so all of that's very cool. Um and then the uh there's like mandatory stealth sections as well. That's like kind of the only divergent piece of gameplay. Mostly yeah. you're just moving through the world, using your journal to translate the language, and then using that to ascend through the tower. And you don't have to... Sorry, I skipped over something. You don't have to hmm. translate everything in in a given language to move up to the next community. It's not like this box-checking you can leave actually quite a bit untranslated if you want to um however what you'll what i thought was so cool uh if you leave things untranslated or unconfirmed and you start to ascend some of the words in higher languages your understanding of those words are based on your understanding of the word in a lower tier language so there might be a word or phrase that you learn in the first tier. And if you don't confirm that, like I had a word that I was all the way up in like the fourth tier and I had still never confirmed it. So because it was still referencing back to my original understanding of the the word, mm. it was still italicized anywhere I saw it. And I couldn't confirm the true meaning of mm. that word until I went back to the original community and found it and confirmed it and got it locked in. And then the game wow. would filled in yeah. the correct phrase for all the other words that were in that chain. Oh, so wow. your understanding of one language can be based on your understanding of other ones. Wow. In, in a very, very cool way. Um, but that means that, yeah, so you, you, the game doesn't force you or compel you to learn every single word in a language. But if you do, You'll just have a richer experience, and you'll obviously be understanding what's happening around you better. But mm. the the actual translation of the language is your tool to move through the world. It's not the uh, it's not the objective of the game. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to those stealth sections, those are really kind of the only divergent gameplay from the the puzzle, like the language puzzles. Mm. And I don't know how you felt about the stealth sections, but I thought they were perfectly fine. It was a nice, like, break in pace. I kind of liked it, it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> it, they were, it was interesting to have them in there. They always made sense narratively, like why I had to yeah. stealth through a specific area. They weren't so difficult that I was getting frustrated with them, mm-hmm. but it also was just like, I don't know, it was just an interesting other thing that was kind of thrown in the game yeah. that you could take or leave. Um, it wasn't anything. I was like, oh, this is so good. This is the best part of the game. But it also kind of broke up mm-hmm. um, the rest of the gameplay. So. It was nice
1: to have a win when the <laughs> translations were really <laughs> kicking my ass and I felt like I was too dumb to continue. And yeah. Those would give me a nice boost.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I will say like the the game and the like tutorialization of the game is so hands-off. Oh yeah. Like the the developers really like they barely tell you how to do anything or how to figure mm. anything out and you're really left on your own and I think it's a testament to how well designed everything is that yes. like 95% of the time That works so seamlessly. Uh, Um, I didn't feel like the game was too easy. I was just legitimately felt like I was getting the information and context clues that I needed that I was solving things at the pace that the game wanted me to solve it. So when you do run into a wall, which does happen (laughs) periodically throughout the game... uh, it was hard to tell if that was me or if it was a design flaw in the game, and those can't. It can be frustrating when you get stuck on a word and you just don't know what the answer is. And there, there's a few ways that you can cheese things with the journal a little bit in terms of plugging in, but that always felt really. I hated doing that. I did do it a couple of times. Felt but it felt but, cheap. It felt cheap, yeah. right? Like to to kind of cheat the system, and and you know, it's I did like, that. <laughs> It's like, here's a page in the journal that's got three drawings on it. I have no idea what these 15 glyphs that I have mean. (laughs) So I'm just going to plug every single glyph into every single hole until I get the pattern right. And it confirms what these words mean for me. And I did do that a few times. And it's hard to say if that was a design flaw in the game or if... um, if I just wasn't smart enough for the puzzles. Mm-hmm. But interesting to hear that you struggle with that a few times too. And I think those are the only points where the game kind of sags a little bit because mm-hmm. there really isn't, if you get hung up on something like that, there really isn't too much you can do except kind of go back keep, through the world yeah. and just beat your head against it and try to see if you can figure out what it is. But It's like if, you ju- if the context clues just aren't clicking for you, yeah, <laughs> There's no. So the game maybe could have done with like a hint system or, you mm-hmm. know, just something to help if you get stuck like that. But obviously we worked around it, but that was definitely mm-hmm. the most frustrating thing that yeah I encountered in the game was if, if you didn't get it, you didn't really have any options <laughs> right, for how to right. get around it besides trying to look up an answer uh, on the Internet or uh, trying to yeah. just like kind of beast your way through it with the journal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's just say if you're not someone who typically enjoys New York Times word puzzles, <laughs> this might have a little bit of a learning curve. But it, the juice is worth the squeeze if you can power through.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So when it comes to like the overall design of the games, um, I guess with... Chance of Sonar, I've said, like, the tower feels so lived in. There's so mm-hmm. much happening around you at any given time. Um, there's something about that process, then, of solving the puzzles. Like, it it really speaks to this way that, or it it really evokes the feelings of connecting with humans across barriers, across differences. And that, mm-hmm. as we already said, is, like, a huge theme of the game. Um, I pulled a quote from... Emily Price over at Polygon, who wrote a review titled, When Puzzle Game, Chance of Sonar is on a roll, there's nothing else like it. And it's funny that that's the title because the first sentence of my quote is that exact same same thing. So I'm not repeating myself, but this is a quote. Uh, Emily writes, When Chance of Sonar is on a roll, there's really nothing else like it. And when it gets tedious, it never remains so for very long. But I think fun is the wrong metric for this game. Is viewing ancient Egyptian sculpture fun? Is reading Ovid or Virginia Woolf? For that matter, is learning a language sometimes, but we do these activities to experience a different kind of pleasure, accessing a shared understanding of what it means to be human across barriers of time and interpretation. Chance of Sinar folds every one of its puzzle-solving bricks into a Rubik's cube of a concept, and yet it revels most of all in pan linguistic understanding. The figure taking their break on a roof, or the grunted no from a security guard, or the laughter of a child playing hide and seek, all serve to remind you of your place in a community. Learning a language stands in for observing and appreciating a culture that's unfamiliar to you. It's a lofty goal for a game, and it's one that Chance of Sonar achieves. Mm. Um, so all of that world, world building just coalescing into this experience of moving through a space where you are very much an outsider to all of these cultures. And yet you can experience them. You can experience how different they are and still find the human moments within each space, within each people. Um, and, and even sometimes those human moments are uh like irritating. Like I found yeah. the artist community to be really <laughs> snob. Like when yeah. you first arrive in the artist community, they all wear masks and you don't like your your mask doesn't look like their mask, and they're just like laughing at you because they mm-hmm. think you're a guard. Um, because you come from the the lower tier where the guards were at. Yeah. And so they're just like really kind of rude to you <laughs> as you're trying to figure mm-hmm. out their language. And that comes across even before you understand what they're totally. saying. You understand that you're being laughed at, that you're being talked down to, mm. um, that they don't think much of you, that they don't really want to engage with you. Uh, being able to convey all that stuff despite language, it just captures something really yeah, really deeply human mm. that I haven't mm-hmm. seen a game do before in the same way yeah
1: yeah yeah like especially considering how um the art itself and the character models aren't particularly detailed like it's so much is communicated with shape and body language um, but the fact that we're all able to universally connect with these models and understand and pick up on you know societal Uh, norms and being an outcast and being made fun of versus being reached out to for help or being played with, or like, just, it's just the fact that, I don't know, we're all so sensitive to these things that even beyond language, we can still sense um, these micro interactions. Like, I don't know. It's just really cool how much they were able to convey with, (laughs) with arguably like very little, detail like like yeah. sketches really of characters like
0: well and I think it showcases how I think we take for granted a lot of the times how much we as we as humans are like we have evolved to understand so much about another person based on things like body language like yeah. visual cues from the yeah. other person without understanding anything the other person is saying mm. and and yet we've taken so much of our communication and the way we talk to each other online into mm. a place where the only thing that you see from another person is what they've typed into a screen mm. mm-hmm. with no hue like just, I, I don't know. It just really had me thinking about how much of the way we connect as humans is grounded in our ability to like be in physical proximity to each other and mm. pick up on those innate cues, like the sound, just, you know, tone of voice, uh, body language, uh, physical presence, how we're holding ourselves, carrying ourselves, how we're interacting with each other, what we're look, what we're looking at, what we're focusing on, what we're listening to, um, the other aspects of our culture, like what we prioritize, what the the things that are in our home, what kind of art is available yeah. to us, like all of these things say so much about us as people and individuals and communities and cultures, and we've cut so much of that off. In Mm -hmm. the way that we actually interact with each other, at least especially across difference, Mm -hmm. right? Especially Mm -hmm. across, like when we're talking about vast, large, you know, Twitter (laughs) as as like being this huge communication platform. And yet there's so little humanity in how we interact with each other on Twitter. There's, There's really nothing beyond the language, beyond the words and how... Ah, uh, prioritized that has become in terms of how we relate to each other, mm. and how isolating and probably dehumanizing that has inherently been when you consider how much communication can happen without words, mm-hmm. or how much communication does happen without words.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> but turning that turning that back on Jassant too, a game that uh. The design of that is very much like you're I, I guess what's interesting to me about Jassant is like how much do you feel the process of climbing the tower, like the actual mechanics of the game are conveying the the themes of Jassant? Because so much of the world building in Jassant, or at least what I perceived or picked up on, is about it's about climate change. It's about um I guess uh, what I felt it was chewing on was this idea of or at least how it relates to what we're going through right now. Is like what it feels like to actually to to lose resources, to Mm. lose access to resources and the impact that that has on destabilizing a community, destabilizing Mm. a populace and actually uh, displacing people Um, as we experience climate change and the the dramatic impacts of climate change and how that's going to actually like like this culture. This people is gone Mm -hmm. because of the impacts of climate change because their culture was built around the water and the tower right. and how they right. existed there. Right. But I feel like so much of that comes through in the letters in Jassant. And I wonder yeah. how, how you feel the themes connect to the actual like climbing mechanics
1: or. Yeah, do I think it's, that's a good point. I, I do think it comes through more in terms of what you're observing as you're climbing. Like maybe you're using um, this giant crane to climb across a gap. And then you, as you use, spend more time traversing it you realize like oh this crane was used to like gather and stack blocks of salt and so i can collect that oh this this uh community may have had rich farming and commerce around the what the ocean produced for them um or maybe you'll you're as you're climbing you pass through the ruins of like a restaurant or a community gathering space. Um, You see remnants of like pottery and, and other types of handcraft. And so I think I I don't necessarily feel as though the climbing was telling me much about the world building. It was more like um, the environment that I was climbing through told more about the people that were that that existed there before um does that answer your question
0: yeah i think so i i just I, both of these games have this through line of ascent, ascension like mm. you're, you're moving from the bottom to the top through the space and through a community and and or like through communities i guess in the case of um chance of cenar and like i i just wondered if that like is that process of the climb functioning as a narrative device at all <laughs> in either of these. And I think it does in chance of Sonar because you're seeing that like mm-hmm. hierarchy of the communities and you're moving through them and you're actually building on your knowledge base of the world as you move through those spaces. But I just curious if you notice that in Ch- in Jason as yeah, that, that Ascension yeah. actually being part of the themes and, and narrative device of the game.
1: It's interesting. Like, As we're talking about it, I feel like Jassant very much tells a story and makes a case for collectivism and how much communities need each other, how much people need each other. And maybe if you don't fully understand each other, if you're able to respect and celebrate each other and see the ways in which we all can serve different and equally important purposes, like that that's important to consider and to let differences exist without feeling a need to control or change them. On the other hand, I feel like the mechanics in Jassant, if anything, serve to highlight how isol- how alone this character is. Like mm-hmm. um, in Jusant, there's not much music. Like most of the time, you are listening to the sounds of your character struggling to breathe as they're gripping and climbing up this treacherous face. If anything, the mechanics in Gessant show the, the almost insurmountable, immense feeling of climbing this tower and how massive of a task how like Sisyphean the task mm-hmm. is and how like the aftermath the consequence of human action or inaction that led to this climate crisis what the cost of that is like you are completely alone and you are a tiny person um trying to traverse this natural challenge um, that has been exacerbated by the lack of human care resulting in this climate crisis and this extreme weather and this barren landscape and like there are times where as you continue climbing you see more and more of what's below and how empty it is, how desolate it is how in the distance you can see like the remnants of ships or people who tried to get out and maybe perished out there in 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 the desert that's surrounding this tower. and so if anything, the more you progress, the more you see just the immense cost of what everything has resulted in. And it just drives home, like, how much has been lost. Um, so it's interesting, as I'm, as we're talking about it, I feel like it's really made me think about the juxtaposition there. Like, if anything, it feels like Chance of Sonar is a bit more like the redemptive, like... Um, like things get more hopeful as the game progresses. Yeah. Whereas Jussant does a bit more of like um it's a lot more bittersweet and a lot more reflecting on on the loss than it is mm-hmm. the like there is hope. I, I will say at the end of Jussant, there is hope for the future, but it's a lot more it's just a lot more grounded in the loss of life and loss of of nature. Um yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As you're describing it, I'm just hearing like what sounds like something that's like one of the things you're meditating on is the the grief of what we Mm. are actively losing or what will be lost, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. because of the ramifications of climate change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think you're. I think chance of sonar. You know, if you just finish the game and don't go for the true ending that's it's pretty pretty <laughs> oh, depressing. Yeah, it's kind of bleak yeah <laughs> but I think the game really sings in that last third uh, I would say uh, mm-hmm. maybe quarter if you if you go for that true ending because um you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but basically what that that last section of the game focuses on, if, if you move towards the true ending, is uh, reconnecting the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've ascended the tower and, and you do understand all of the languages, um, there's very much a message in that game about, uh, first of all, the isolating impact of technology, Uh, that definitely becomes a theme as you, as you move through the, the levels and and the impact of technology. So I really, I definitely think the comparisons to our current existence being so connected to others through the internet, being so connected to Mm -hmm. awful social media platforms like X, um, Mm -hmm. Like and the negative impact that that has on us, you know, part of the ending of that game is deconstructing that connection and rebuilding actual human connections. Um, uh, you you go back to work as like a translator, basically, between different communities, and it was very, I got very emotional. Um, mm. as the player, like connecting people across the different communities who needed things from each other, who could benefit from, uh, being with each other, and the positive impact that that then has on the world that you've spent you know eight to ten hours moving through and now you have this opportunity to heal some of these things by just by creating connections between humans and letting them yeah. helping them understand each other again um was super beautiful but that's also like really hopeful and maybe, maybe even pie in the sky for where we're at now like mm. it you know chance of makes it seem very simple and it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not it's it's not um the game doesn't have the space or maybe even the interest in highlighting the complexities of that, like Chronicles yeah. of, um oh my God, Salsi, Salsi Chronicles, mm-hmm. and the way that game really tries to get into the minutia and the nitty grittiness of trying to create multicultural mm. spaces. Yeah. Chance of Sonar is, isn't doing that, but it is saying something really beautiful about like, okay, what if we got... Rid of some of this harmful technology and and tried to reconnect as as humans, um, yeah. and what that that might look like, and so it ultimately has a very hopeful
1: message in that regard. Yeah, if anything, I feel like if chance of sonar is, if its ultimate message is around returning to human connection, I feel like Jussant's ending speaks more to this idea that um, humans need to rescind control of mm. the earth and stewardship of the earth back to the natural world and step back like the time of humans is almost like over and it's time mm. to return power to to nature the actual stewards of the earth who know how to take care of it and and be untouched by human influence is almost yeah. kind of what I took away from that um so that's interesting like the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of these two games is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, do you think people should play these games?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, they're short and sweet. They manage to in in those short amounts of time really um Offer new ways new mechanics for like refreshing they feel really refreshing and new in what they're doing and so like I think they're great kind of in between games like between two longer games if you need like a palate cleanser um they're really fun and just I guess cozy I guess they're cozy I think they're challenging games in different ways but yeah they're rewarding mm-hmm. felt good to play them <laughs>
0: It did. It did. Well, I didn't play just yet, but I would like to get back to it. Uh, It's so hard. (laughs) You feel
1: like you feel accomplished after playing these games. Like, yeah, they really give.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's where some of that tower climbing comes in.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, yeah, we hope uh, folks uh, will enjoy this conversation and that you'll go check out Jassant and Chance of Sinar, two smaller games that absolutely do deserve your attention in this very busy year of video games. Um, But time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you all for tuning in, and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more Pixel Therapy, come check us out at patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod where you can sign up for free to stay up to date on everything we have going on, including our weekly streaming schedule, or subscribe for as little as $2 a month and snag those sweet monthly bonus episodes. Uh, We will be live streaming video games on Tuesday and Thursday this week and most weeks at 8 p.m. Eastern (laughs) Time over on Pixel Therapy Pod YouTube channel. So give us a subscribe over there and ring that bell to get notifications every time we go live. And of course, you can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter at Pixel Therapy Pod. (laughs) Even though we just spent several (laughs) minutes shitting all over that platform, (laughs) it is unfortunately necessary to exist as content creators in this day and age. Um, So that stuff is uh, important and we do appreciate it just as much.
1: Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, This week, I'm telling y'all about the Anti-Police Terror Project, uh, which can be found at antipoliceterrorproject.org. They are a Black-led, multiracial, intergenerational coalition that seeks to build a replicable and sustainable model to eradicate police terror in communities of color. Um, They support families surviving police terror in their fight for justice, document police abuses, and connect impacted families and community members with resources, legal referrals, and opportunities for healing. Um, There's also a bail fund going on right now for anti-genocide protesters who have been affected um, in the Bay Area. Um, And so you can check out more about um, this organization, donate, um, and get involved at Anti antipoliceterrorproject.org. Thank you for that
0: side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more Pixel Pixel Therapy. Therapy. (laughs) Bye-bye.